0: Praise the Lord, dear saints. Um, I hope everybody can hear me properly. Welcome again to our time tonight. Uh, We're going to continue in our uh, study of Exodus. Uh, Continue with chapter 5. We're going to read all of chapter 5. But before we start with the word, uh, let's enjoy hymn number 643. This is a wonderful hymn on us taking time to absorb the Lord, to behold him. Okay, Brother Atien will play the music for us, and amen. Let's enjoy. To
1: behold
2: him. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Amen. Take time to behold him. Amen. And speak off with thy Lord. Amen. And abide in him always.
0: Amen. And
2: feed on his word.
1: Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. While found in His presence, submissive and meek, forgetting in nothing His blessing to seek. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Oh Jesus,
0: down led
4: by Spirit to fountains of love, thou Amen. then shall be His mercy to prove. Amen. 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 In joy or in sorrow, still follow Amen. thy love. Amen. 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 By looking Amen.
2: to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, Amen. take time. Oh, Lord. Amen. Thank you. We can take time. Lord,
3: Amen.
0: to behold you. Amen. 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 Amen.
5: Thank you for the grace to take time. Amen. 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 Thank you that even time. Amen. Amen. Hold you. Amen. Amen.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, is it, Can we can we sing this one again? Is that, is that okay, Brother Atien? Could you please play it for us one more time? I feel like um, uh, you know I appreciate stanza two. It says <laughs> the world rushes on. That is that is the tempo of the world is just to rush. But tonight we're going to see that actually in God, in God's arrangement, there's need for us to take time to behold him. Amen. Let, let, let's, Amen. let's sing this one again. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
2: By looking to Jesus, mm. like him thou shalt be. Amen. Amen.
0: Um well Saints, just to uh, again remind us that we're going to cover Exodus chapter five. And as usual, you saints will get the first place to share uh whatever you had been laboring on so we're going to read the verses together in maybe let's say groups two groups of let's say five or six a group and we will return and we'll have an opportunity to share so uh brother Etienne, if you could please help us out with that i think uh five to six minutes should be enough for us to be able to read through the chapter um well uh saints as i mentioned earlier this is your opportunity to overflow whatever the lord is is entrusted in you amen
1: i see in in the footnote uh, of verse one is that the book of exodus described 12 conflicts between jehovah and pharaoh god's people had fallen into a worldly life under pharaoh Satan uh, is a type of Satan. Usurpation. Uh, God's desire is that His people would be His dwelling place on earth, but this desire cannot be fulfilled unless His people are delivered from the world and separated to Him. God's purpose in the twelve conflicts with Pharaoh was to execute His judgment on the world and its ruler, and to expose to His people the nature meaning and result of life under Pharaoh's usurpation, so that they would hate this life and flee from it and be gathered to the Lord at the mountain of God to receive the revelation concerning God and his dwelling place. Amen.
2: Um, You know, I was just so touched by the, you know, the typification of Satan as the king of Egypt uh, in this word. You know, we see firstly in verse two, you know, he says, and I also will not let Israel go. And if we look at the world today, the world we're living in, you know, the system of the world is exactly of this nature, that it would not let uh, God's people go, right? It really has to be a struggle. It really has to be a fight because Satan is not just relaxed. He also wants to keep us. And, you know, throughout the chapter, we see even how he does it, right? He keeps us occupied. Um, He was really just making the work of the Israelites in Egypt tougher, right? Yeah, They were still expected to go through with their previous quotas, and then more work was being added to them. Uh, There was just a lot of things, Um, you know, a lot of sort of occupations. That was being burdened on them, right, so that they wouldn't worship. And I was just thinking that even in today's world, the devil does not want to see us worship. Uh, He's completely against our worship. Uh, We see it here with Pharaoh. He even accuses them of being idle, right, that because they are idle, now that's why they want to worship so we can see a kind of offense that he took from the israelites wanting to worship and it's you know it's you know i keep saying this it's exactly how the world is today um we just get so occupied and it becomes really an obstacle uh before us you know uh in the way of us um, in our worship so yeah it was really just it's a it's a clear picture for me it was a clear picture uh, in chapter five, where I really did got to see that um, this is what this is what Satan is doing. You know, he's he's he's, um, he's burdening us with all sorts of occupations, everything else that's not worshiping God. Um, yeah, Amen. In the passage that you know, Pharaoh increased the burden uh, on the
4: on the Israel on Israel. And demanding the same output while doubling the, the burden, I think this was in in God's plan so that they would see and hate this life, so yeah. they would be prepared to go out. I think mm-hmm. if they were if they, if they would love their work and uh, eat yeah. the onions and garlic all the time, they would not be. They would be reluctant to leave this place. Yeah. But this was a push so that they could see that this life. Uh, they could really hate it and want to
6: go out. Amen. Amen. Uh, Saints, I enjoyed to see that when the children of Israel um, in the time that they was being suppressed by the uh, Egyptians and they was in dreadful situations, God regarded them as as Israel as transformed people as people who are uh, victors and kings. And when God looks to us, the church, he sees us as the glorious church and that we must not look to ourselves as pitiful, but as Israel. We must see and believe that we are Israel. Um, God wants his people to be released by Pharaoh for, for three days To go to the wilderness to feast on him. And that is real worship to him. And according to what is dispensed into us for our enjoyment, we are the same. We feast on on his presence, with him and unto him. And as we feast unto God, eating, drinking, absorbing, enjoying him, there's no opportunity. work from our side, no self-effort. And this feasting on him is a worship to him. Our enjoyment of him as our provision, our rest, our drinking, the living water is our worship. The same as with with Israel. Um, When God wanted to worship him for three days in the wilderness, we, we are exactly the same. We enjoy the Lord in the resurrection. We are not in the wilderness anymore, but in the resurrection. Um, and Farm's resistance towards Israel signifies Satan's usurping God's people, which also imply ourselves. We can be sometimes a father to ourselves and to others. And the is someone who keeps God's people from feasting unto the Lord. Uh, sometimes we are a to ourselves when we feel tired and we don't want to join the meetings or the Bible study. Then we are a to ourselves and we keep ourselves from enjoyment of the Lord Jesus.
4: In verse 2, it's uh, the last sentence. Pharaoh was saying he would not let Israel go. I've, I found, and then in Exodus 3, verse 92, God was was already aware of uh, how Pharaoh would respond because he said, uh, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. I've, I find, let you know, I, I, me i mean let that uh, made me realize that um, god is god he is the godhead everything is visible to him he, he is sovereign he is sovereignty
7: amen hello saints i also enjoyed exodus 5 very much it starts by uh, the the beginning where it is uh the god of israel uh, Israel uh, represents uh, Jacob that was transformed and that uh, uh, points to a resurrection. So God already sees his people as victoriously and uh, uh, in resurrection. And then I also enjoyed the, uh, the, the fact that we are actually Pharaoh ourselves. Uh, Satan and self is against God. And uh, uh, it, we, we keep ourselves from feasting on the Lord. It's a selfishness in us that, that wants to feast on other things of the world. Uh, and uh, it is also our, ourselves that keeps us from maybe attending all the meetings. So uh, we, we don't have to look for the world. Uh, the, the self inside us is the big problem. And then when you turn to God uh, and you want to leave the Egypt, if you want to leave Egypt, in other words, if you want to start operating in the spirit, then you'll experience that the world will take away the straw, which means you will all of a sudden be very busy. You will have more work. Everybody will uh, want your attention and, and, and uh, Satan will keep you busy to make sure you don't uh, succeed in the plans that God has got for you. And then the wilderness uh, is actually a good place. We must not be in the world, but in the wilderness, because that is a place where we depend totally on God. And uh, also what's interesting is uh, suffering is a sign that God is in process of delivering us. You know, when you suffer, and you and God knows about it and he's busy working on the on the problem. And uh, also, when we pray, sometimes when we pray, we've experienced that things just get worse, and uh, it it actually means that God is busy reconfirming His name and His covenant and His promises and His and His oath. So God is busy working. Uh, we must just uh, uh, realize it. Amen. Amen. And the same
5: uh, as as the brother was sharing, the the resistance that we've experienced once uh, something has started to be claimed from uh, you know by the Lord is very interesting because <clears throat> here it's Pharaoh who who is charging, uh, who is making the burdens harder, right? And the Israelites go and complain to Moses, saying that you've made life difficult for us. But Moses' response was that, then, this is verse 22, Then Moses went back to Jehovah and said, Lord, why have you mistreated these people? You know, from the natural perspective, it was Pharaoh who was making things more difficult. But Moses recognized that actually this was the Lord was operating so in principle you know on the same day i think it said on the same day that uh, that moses and them had this conversation with pharaoh that's the day that he immediately charged the burden to be to be made harder right but moses realized that actually even though it's pharaoh who's doing this the one who is really doing it is the lord and so we should be encouraged. Like the brother said, sometimes you pray for something and things get worse. That means that the Lord is operating, right, to, to get what he wants, right? He wants a, a transformed people and a people who are Hebrews, right? The, the river crosses. He is the God of these people. So anyway, I just appreciated as the brother also shared, that the Lord is the one who is behind these things. Moses asked, why do you mistreat?
0: this people. Amen. Amen, saints. That was was very, very good. Maybe just some practical help for us in particular, because I would like to emphasize again, we are all learning to speak. Um, You know, the Lord works by speaking. Everything he does in his economy, both in the old creation and in a new creation. The Lord does everything by speaking. He even is the word of God. So the Lord actually, even when you consider his creation, human beings are the only beings that communicate by speaking. Every other animal, they can communicate by making sounds, but it's not language, it's not speaking. Um, some use waves and all kinds of things, but the human beings are the only ones that are made to speak, actually, which means the Lord, for his economy, he needs us to, be, to, to learn to speak. Um, even the Bible is the word of God, you know. Uh, so anyway, I appreciate this, that we're all learning to speak for the Lord. And when it comes to speaking for the Lord, one of the things that has helped me a lot is in Revelation, what the Lord tells John. He says, what you see, write. So as we're spending time in the word, maybe something impresses us, something we see in the word. One of the helpful things is to write, just to um. Sometimes we just trust our own memory and we forget the revelation. But when we write, we can review and would have the opportunity to pray about it. Something that the Lord has, has impressed us while we were reading a certain part of the word and we wrote it down, we could review what we wrote and pray about it. This actually enriches our enjoyment of the word. So this is just a very very small practical help. Is that what the Lord told John, uh, the Apostle in Revelation, is that Son of Man, what you see, write, and send to the churches. So so um, uh, this is just uh, this had been very very helpful to me to to not trust my memory but to learn to just write. And this gives me an opportunity to review and pray about whatever the Lord has impressed upon me. Okay, so uh, let's 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 get to uh, rev- uh, not Revelation Exodus chapter five, uh, just to remind us where we are in the book of Exodus. We saw last week that there were these experiences of this called one. So God had prepared Moses and not only prepared him, but would then call him. But before Moses would be called, Moses did something out of his own strength. And that caused God to actually put him aside for another 40 years. So for 40 years, Moses was living in a foreign land as a foreigner. And that kind of a a experience all that Moses had gained in his 40, first 40 years of his life, the Lord emptied him, emptied him out for the next second 40 years. So you could say this is God's way. God's way is first to build up and then to empty out. You know, we 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 gain education, we gain all kinds of Uh, things in the human life and we need to to be a proper human but the lord would not use us in that condition in order for us to be useful to him all that we are all our strong points even our weak points whatever we are by nature we need to be emptied out so that we would be those who are qualified to work with the lord So the second 40 years of Moses's life was him being emptied out. Uh, You know, Moses should have been a pharaoh, should have been a king. But when the pharaoh dies in Egypt, Moses is not in a position where he could inherit the throne. On the contrary, Moses is in in the wilderness, on the backside of the wilderness, the back of the mountain, he's shepherding sheep, sheep that are not his. They are his father-in-law. You could say Moses has a day job. When he was available for God's use, it seemed God said no. Now Moses seems to be busy, and God says, now you are ready. It seemed God's timing is wrong. Actually, God's timing is not wrong. At this point, Moses no longer had trust in himself he had no trust he had no in what he did in what he was he had no no trust so then the Lord showed him a wonderful vision the vision of the thorn bush which is burning but it's not being consumed this is the picture that the Lord showed Moses his serving one when he called him that is yes moses you are a thorn bush yet i do want to reside in you i do want to dwell in you moses yet i will not use you as the fuel the the fire was not in the sky the fire needed a place it needed a thorn bush yet the fire was not needing the thorn bush for its fuel. This is, this is God's economy, that God wants to be the, the power, the supply in us. He wants to be everything within us. He doesn't want to use us, to use our energy, but he wants to be our energy. This, this, is, the, this is a big, big matter. This, this vision captured Moses uh, that he, even at the end of his life, when he was 120 years old, he still remembered it. He even called God the, the one who dwelt in a thorn bush. God's house, God's dwelling place. God just loves to reside in this thorn bush. This is God's economy. So, So this is where Moses was. And before Moses could be sent, to Pharaoh, uh, the Lord gave him three signs. Uh, these signs are very, very significant. They are signs of a person who has been sent by the Lord. A person sent by the Lord uh, could be discerned or is discernible by these signs. The first one is that they, they have no uh, their support. They have no trust in their support. Moses was told to take the staff he, was, he had, to throw it on the, on the ground. And when the staff touched the ground, it turned into a serpent. Moses had the realization the Lord was showing him that anything that we rely on is actually a hiding place for the serpent. This is, this, is, this is a sign of a serving one. A serving one has this kind of a realization. As one who has been sent by the Lord, I rely on nothing else except the Lord. So everything we have, uh, whatever we, our skill, our intellect, our savings, our abilities, all those, they can be a hiding place for the serpent. However, when God speaks that we pick up the serpent, when we pick it up according to God's word, this becomes a a support. It becomes useful to the Lord. This is very, very important. Anything that we rely on other than the Lord becomes a hiding place. But when we pick it up according to God's word, we hold it according to God's word, not according to the world. We pick it up according to God's word. Then it becomes useful. It becomes the staff that the Lord can use. So so everything, even our capacities, all our, 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 our skills, whatever we have attained, as long as I really appreciated this, that it was God's word, and when Moses picked it up, he didn't pick it up because he decided to or because the situation demanded him to. It was God's word. When God said, pick it up by the tail, when Moses picked it up, it became a staff again. Oh, I don't know about you, dear saints, if you've ever, to me, every time I, I, I consider this, I, I'm like, Lord, this makes no sense. If I'm going to pick up a snake, the best place to pick up a snake is right behind its head. That way it cannot bite you. Right? It seems like the logical, the logical place to to pick up a snake by, it should be the the back of the, the head. Then it cannot bite you. Dear Saints, we don't go by logic. We don't go by what makes sense. We take God's word. When we pick up the serpent, by according to God's word, it becomes something useful, instead of something that could harm. Uh, it becomes something that is useful. So, so that's the first sign of a serving one who is sent by the Lord. They have no support; they don't rely on anything else, but they trust in the Lord, and particular, the Lord's word. They treasure, they take God's word. Not logic, not what is reasonable, not what is common sense, but God's word. Lord, pick it up by the, by the tail. Amen. This, this is a serving one. And then the second sign is a very uh, subjective one. That is, uh, they have a realization of who they are. When Moses was, the the Lord gave Moses a second sign, that is to take his hand and put it in his bosom. And when he took it out, it was leprous. That is, although we're sent by the Lord, we are very clear where we are. We are very clear on what we are and who we are. Lord, although I'm called by you, I'm sent by you, but I am nothing but flesh. I'm just, that's, that's what I am, Lord. I am flesh. I am nothing. There's no, I have no trust in what I am. Because, you know, Paul said, uh, whatever he wanted to do, he couldn't do. It's, he just realized he, he was this fallen, fallen being. So even with a serving one, there has to be this realization for, the Lord, for us to be useful to the Lord, not only do we rely on the Lord himself and in his word, but also we have a clear picture of who we are, of who we are. You know, uh, in Philippians, Paul says, we are the circumcision. We have no confidence in the flesh, zero. I don't trust what I am. What I am is just leprous. It was white. His hand, Moses' hand was white, indicating that Moses had, an, had a deep realization of who he was. This would help Moses to not do anything out of himself. This, this, is, this is the second sign that the a serving one of the Lord has. First one is, there no trust in anything else except the Lord Himself. Uh, he's our real, He's our this is what we rely on. He's our support. Number two, what we are. So we see that the Lord, He's the one who's who, who's, who's supplying us. He's the real supply. But then we also need to see who we are. And then the third sign. Of a serving one is that they see what the world is, what the world is. Seemingly, the river, the water of the Nile, was just water. But when Moses put it on the, uh, according to the Lord's instruction, when he he took a sample and put it on the, uh, poured it on the ground, it became blood. It became blood. That is the world, the supply. What, what is driving the world? What supplies Egypt? What is the, 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 the life in Egypt is sustained by the Nile River. But the Nile River is death. Is death. So a serving one of the Lord has to have this realization that the world, the, at the core of it, there is nothing but Death. There is nothing but death. So so these three signs are very, very helpful. Even uh, I, I just, sometimes I always like, Lord, do I have a realization? Do I have a realization what the world is? The world is just death. What supplies the world, the people in the world, they literally drink death. The water that they drink is just blood. Wow. There, we need to have this kind of a strong impression upon us uh, as for us to be those who, are, who could serve the Lord in a proper way. And the reason why I mention this is that Moses is a, uh, is unique because his experience of being called by the Lord Is so significant. It's detailed. It it helps us with our experience, with our experience. If we're going to be used by the Lord, and I'm not, wherever we are, and don't think the Lord is going to call you to go to some country, but wherever we are, we need to realize the Lord is sending us. Maybe you go to an office. Maybe you go to school. You have to have a realization the Lord is, you are sent one, you are serving one. And as a serving one, we need these signs, these three signs. We just don't trust in anything, any supply. All our supply comes from the Lord and His word. That's where we, we take our supply, that's where our support comes from. Number two, we have no trust in ourselves. We have no trust. And third one is that we realize we, we see the world for what it really is. Outwardly, it's just water to supply the land. But at the core, this water is death. Is death. So, so th- this, will, this will enable us to be proper serving ones. Okay, now we come to chapter 5. And, um, oh, Lord, this is when Moses is now sent to speak to Pharaoh. Uh, And uh, as the footnote, the first footnote, footnote one of verse one helped us, is that for the next 10 chapters, actually, it is a back and forth conflict between God and Pharaoh. And I would like us to uh, realize that there is God's demand. God is not negotiating. God is demanding. There is a demand, but to God's demand, God's demand is met by a resistance. Pharaoh's resistance. Oh, I, I, without the this the exodus. I think I would not have a realization of what the world is doing uh, in in our experience. This this will help us a lot in our Christian experience and to help others in their Christian experience. Okay, so verse 1 says, And and afterward, this is after Moses had come to the elders and mentioned that Jehovah has come and is going to release you guys. He's seen your affliction, and they were comforted that the Lord had taken, you know, the Lord had heard their cry and, and had took notice of them. So they were, if you consider that scenery, it's very, very touching. They, they bowed and they worshiped. They were so grateful to the Lord. Wow, the Lord is going to release us. Oh, finally, somebody has seen our affliction, <clears throat> And now, afterwards, Moses and Pharaoh, this is verse one, came and said to Pharaoh, thus says Jehovah, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. This is this is God's demand, God's demand. Let my people go. Let my people go. Wow. You know, I, I'd never taken notice of this, but for the first time, God has a corporate people. In Genesis, he had a cluster, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jacob became, had 12 sons. But now, here God has a corporate group of people, and they are his people, So the Lord says, let my people. In other words, God is indicating Pharaoh. These are not your people. These are my people. I have been preparing them for my purpose. Let my people go. This is God's demand. Uh, And it's, it's, it's amazing because when God comes to Pharaoh, and demands of Pharaoh. He doesn't say he's the God of Abraham. He doesn't say he's the God of Isaac or Jacob. But on the contrary, he says, Jehovah, the God of Israel. Jehovah means I am who I am. That is, I am. In other words, I am whatever I am, whatever I say will be. You know, the word, the name, I am, or the, the the verb, I am, can only be applied to God himself. You know, just a, a, a simple demonstration. There was a time when I was not. Today, because I am on earth, I can say I am. But there will be a time where I will not be. So, None of us can say we are. We could say we are at the moment, but with God, the word, the, the, the verb, I am, is absolute. He is. He is the one who, who the I am. This Only he can have this uh, uh, this name applied to him. Absolutely. He depends on nothing. He's ever existing. He He, he relies on, nothing else is self existing so when jehovah says to pharaoh jehovah that the god of israel oh wonderful wonderful this one pharaoh whatever you whatever i say will be i am and not only am i just jehovah i am the god of israel not the god of jacob Not the God of a supplanter, but I am the God of Israel, a prince, a transformed person. God's view of Israel here was that they are kings. These ones are kings. He's the God of transformed people to be kings. You, you might say maybe the children of Israel were not kings. Actually, in Pharaoh's eyes, they were slaves, servants. But in God's eyes, he is the God of Israel, my people. Let my people go, says the God of Israel. Oh, dear saints, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe your, your current experience, you might tell the Lord, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm a king. I'm not quite Israel. Maybe a lot of Jacob in me. And I would tell you, okay, but you just wait. You just wait. See whose word will last. Is it your word or Jehovah's word? Jehovah says he is the God of Israel, not of Jacob. No matter what your current experience in your Christian life is, wherever you feel you are, maybe... I don't know. I don't know how you feel about yourself. You might feel like you're under a lot of bondage, a lot of slavery, a lot of uh, um, oppression. In God's word to Pharaoh, he doesn't say he's the God of Jacob. He says he's the God of those who are released to serve the Lord as kings. Israel. Oh. Uh, this 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 really impresses me, dear saints. You know, um, no matter what, what the, the the dear saints you are with in your locality, maybe you might feel, oh, this one is worldly. This one is. Well, look at the the children of Israel. They were in the world, deep in the world, actually enslaved. Apparently, but the I am the one whose word will last says he is the God of Israel. In other words, the Lord's view is beyond our present experience. In God's view, these children, these ones were already Israel, transformed to be kings. Anyway, uh, this this impresses me, dear saints. Um, I don't know, again, I mention again our present experience actually will not last. The only thing that will last is Jehovah, I am, and his word. Actually, the Lord says this generation will will pass away, but none of his words will pass away until they are fulfilled. So so you, you consider whose word are you going to believe? The present experience, the present situation, or the word of Jehovah I am. Okay, I appreciate this. The Lord says, Let my people go. Why? <clears throat> why would the why would the Lord make such a, a demand on Pharaoh? It's because <clears throat> uh, the people, according to God's desire, they were to have a hold a feast to me. They were to hold a feast to Jehovah in the wilderness. This is, this is God's purpose. God's purpose is that he would gain a group of people who would be, who would enjoy him. They would have a feast to him. Uh, the word feast here, uh, you could say they could have a worship to Jehovah. Actually, God's way, God's desire is that we would have a feast. I don't know about you, dear saints. Um, A feast does not have oppression, does not have oppression, does not have, uh, uh, you know, hard labor. A feast is a time of enjoyment. Instead of a demand being placed, Actually, in the feast, there's nothing but supply. So here, Jehovah had this desire with his people. It is not right for you to be in Egypt, bound, made to labor. No. Let my people go so that they may not serve, not not do so many things, but to have a feast. To have a feast. So God's desire was that, had always been that his people would corporately enjoy him, to feast on him. Um, And this feast actually is a worship to the Lord. I'd I'd never had this realization. Uh, Many times in the Christian life, we might have the desire to be released from all kinds of things. We wish to be released from, from troubling temper, from besetting sin, from all kinds of, um, you know, emotion, all kinds of, we, we always have this kind of a desire to be released. But we never have this, at least I, I, I didn't have this realization that the release is so that we would feast on the Lord. God's desire is that we would feast on him. Actually, when we are under bondage, we cannot feast on the Lord, which means the Lord has no worship. The worship that the Lord desires is the one that comes out of our feasting on him. When we enjoy him and as we're praising him out of what we've enjoyed of him, that is the desire, that is the worship God desires. You could call this a a dispensational worship. That is, God first dispenses himself into us, and we enjoy him. And out of that enjoyment, we worship him. Actually, that feasting becomes a worship to the Lord. When nobody's feasting, there's no worship to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever had this realization that actually Our enjoyment of the Lord has everything to do with him receiving worship. When God's people are bound, are under slavery and bondage, they're not released to enjoy. And when they have no enjoyment, there's nothing to be dispensed into them, and hence they have nothing to worship with. This is why in John 4.24, The Lord Jesus tells a Samaritan woman that the Father is longing for worshipers, true worshipers. In other words, there's reality, true worshipers. What do these worshipers do? They worship the Father in spirit and in truthfulness. In spirit is the place where we worship. In truthfulness is the sacrifices uh, just like you know the children of Israel? They would offer sacrifices for worship. Actually, the the truthfulness there is the Christ whom we have enjoyed and has become real to us. He has become truth within us. Then we offer that Christ to God. That is the kind of worship that the Father desires. Just consider. The human view of worship versus God's view of worship. I thought worship is just to bow yourself down, to prostrate oneself. Actually, that's not the kind of worship God desires. It's not about this mountain or that mountain. It actually has to do with our exercising our spirit to enjoy the Christ, to feast on Christ. And this Christ, whom we have enjoyed, becomes our reality—the reality of the sacrifices which we can then offer to God for His enjoyment. This is to feast unto the Lord. This is the this is what the Lord was was telling Pharaoh. Pharaoh, you have my people. When you when my people are bound by you, I have no worship. Pharaoh, let my people go. Oh, Lord. You know, uh, as as you saints have shared, that Pharaoh here is actually a picture of Satan, the ruler of the world. Satan will use everything to keep us from feasting as a worship to God. He will use all kinds of things. Obviously here... Uh, As we saw, he made the children of Israel, uh, he occupied them, made them busy, uh, increasing the demand, and not only increasing the demand, making it inconvenient to, to, to reach the demand. So keep the quota, but supply less. This was Pharaoh's strategy, to keep God's people from feasting on him, So that he would be he would receive the worship. This was Pharaoh's strategy. You just consider your experience. You know why what what, you know? We of course we have daily things that we need to take care of. And I'm not saying we, we don't take care of our human responsibilities. We have to. We have to. But Pharaoh abuses, abuses the necessary things. You know, a very good picture of this is in uh, Matthew. uh, I believe it's Matthew 24, where the Lord says, in the the days of the Son of Man, when he returns, people will be eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage. That is a, a very practical, that this kind of Uh, uh, eating, drinking, was occupying the people, keeping them away from the Lord, keeping them away from enjoying the Lord. It became, it absorbed, it usurped them. That's the word I, I, I. it's, it, it illegally occupied them so that they had no time. Just consider today how much of our daily life, this kind of thing occupies. Actually, eating, drinking, marrying, and being given into marriage is for us to feast on the Lord. That's the proper. That's a proper uh, experience. That our marriage is so that we would be those who are serving, worshiping the Lord. Our eating is so that we would. Uh, every our day job is so that we would serve, minister a feast on the Lord. But Satan would abuse that. Would misuse that. This, this is the picture we see in the world. I, 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 this, this is helpful to me to realize, you know, many a time when it's time for the feasts, it's time for, for the meetings of the church. You just consider, suddenly there's a realization, maybe there's a, I'm not feeling so well. Uh, why? It's time to read the Bible. Oh, I'm tired. What is that? Well, on the one hand, we might say that's Satan, and that's true. But the practical Satan actually is the self in us. Our self is the practical Pharaoh. The objective Pharaoh can, there's an objective Pharaoh, but we need to realize there's also a subjective Pharaoh. You know, uh, I find it um, fascinating that, you know, we could we could struggle to read the Bible for 30 minutes. But when you consider how much time spent on the different phones or the different things, you know, we just realize, oh, Lord, I, I am a practical pharaoh to me. I am keeping myself from feasting. You know, oh, I can't make it to the meeting. I gotta, I gotta work. But then, when you actually consider how much work is done when I miss the meeting, not a lot. <laughs> Find that that work I ended up that time I ended up spending on the phone or uh, on a computer, not doing the work I claimed to to I needed to do. So, so this picture, dear saints. I really, really treasure because it shows us what the world is doing. When we miss the feast, God has no worship. Not only do we miss out on the enjoyment, but God has nothing. God has nothing to, to, to eat. Nothing makes God happy more than his people enjoying his Christ and offering this Christ back to him. Nothing makes God happy. So here, we need to see anything that keeps us from feasting on the Lord is a fair. It could be our upset attitude. Maybe we are upset from our day. And inwardly, the Lord is saying, let go. Let go. Turn. Call on me. But we refuse we are a practical pharaoh to ourselves. Maybe we're upset with uh, persons we live with, or maybe they did something. But, but the point is, pharaoh is not just outside. Actually, pharaoh is very subjective. Very, very subjective. Okay, I think I've, 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 I've discharged what's on my heart concerning this. To me, it was a, a big help that the Lord would expose Satan. You know, in, in, oh Lord, I'll just mention this in Matthew 16. The Lord wanted to go to the cross, but Peter rebuked the Lord and prevented him, was trying to prevent the Lord. And the Lord's words after that shows us, exposes how this usurping Pharaoh is related to our natural self. The Lord's, uh, in Matthew, the the Bible says, uh, Jesus turned to Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. He turned to Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. So although that was Peter, yet at that instant, this Peter was one with Satan. And the Lord says, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. So this Satan, who is related to Peter, the Lord hits the mark and says, it's related to our mind. Our mind. And after that, the Lord says, whoever wants to come after me, let him deny his soul life. Or in Luke, it says, his, um himself. So actually, the self becomes an expression of Satan through our mind. We might think, oh, I don't think I should go to the meeting. Well, be careful. Be careful. We could be a pharaoh, a Satan, a practical pharaoh, keeping ourselves from the feast. Okay I, I better I better continue. Okay, verse 2 <clears throat> says, but Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah that I should listen to his voice to let Israel go. I do not know Jehovah and I will also not I will I also will not let Israel go. This is Pharaoh's attitude to the Lord, to God. God makes a demand and I used to think the world is just, you know, um, is not active in keeping people. Actually, Pharaoh's attitude here shows us the world. You know, if we see someone being in the world, we're taking care of someone. This, This helps me to have a realization how much hold Satan has. First, he says, I don't know Jehovah. I don't, I don't care about Jehovah. I don't even know Jehovah. Just igno- ignoring completely who God is and also ignoring his word. This is, this is the world's attitude in occupying and usurping God, God's people, keeping God's people from him. Uh, verse three, and they said the God of the Hebrews has met with us uh, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Jehovah our God. Otherwise he will fall upon us with pestilence or sword. Uh, so here there's another uh, title of the Lord that's used a name, you could say, it's the God of the Hebrews. That is, according to God, these were river crosses. They were not to be bound To be kept in Egypt. They were not to be slaves. They were to cross. So God, He comes to make a demand. And this demand is in two ways. The first one is that He was the I am, the God of Israel, the one who will outlast and who is, who will be, who was, who is, and will be. His word is firm. And He's the God of those who are kings, not slaves. Moreover, he's the God of the Hebrews, the ones who are not limited by anything. You give a, you put a river in front of them, they cross it. This is, he, he's the God of such a people. Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm the God of the Hebrews. Let my people go, that they would uh, go a three days journey. And again, it's quite significant here. Oh, the Bible is wonderful. It's not a four-day journey. It's not a seven-day. Um, it's not a, a one-day journey, but a three-day journey. This actually is to show us the matter of resurrection. That is, according to God, the people were to be in resurrection. You know, the wilderness typically uh, many people think is a negative place you know it's it seemed like it's a place of confusion but here the wilderness is one of the three stages we need to pass through in order to accomplish God's purpose the first place we need to pass through to pass to to accomplish God's purpose is that we need to go through the wilderness the second one is the mountain if you remember when moses was called by god he said Mo, well, the people would be released to come to this mountain. Uh, when Moses saw the, the thorn bush burning, but not being consumed, that's what the Lord says. He says the people were to come to the mountain of God. So that's the second station. The third station is the good land. So the point here is that the wilderness is not a negative place In Here. The wilderness actually signifies a place of separation. A place of separation from the world. For us to accomplish God's purpose, we need to go a three days journey into the wilderness. We need to be in resurrection, separated from the world. This is is how we can actually accomplish God's purpose. And the second station is that we need to go to the mountain of God in order for us to receive a revelation of God's building. So we need to be separated, sanctified from the world. Number two, we need to receive the revelation. We need to be in the, at the mountain of God to receive the revelation. And thirdly, we need to enter the good land where we can build God's house on earth. So these three stations are very significant in our experience. And in order for us to go on in all of these three stations, we need to be released, ah, oh, released from everything. be it the objective fairer or the subjective fairer, the the, the world outside, that's that's frustrating us, putting more more labor on us, or the inward Pharaoh, the one who, who the inward, you know, the the self, the, the all the the different ex- aspects of our our disposition, you know. Anyway, uh, I. Maybe I'll leave it. Sometimes, you know, we we may come to the feast. <clears throat> I don't know about you. I'll, I'll just mention this. Have you ever come to a meeting uh, and said, uh, today I'm not going to speak? Have you ever come to a meeting with that kind of a resolve? What What is that? What is that? Like, I'm going to come to the feast, but I won't eat. That is actually a practical pharaoh. This is a practical pharaoh. This is another thing keeping us from feasting on the Lord. Feasting on the Lord. Oh, okay. I, I think of. Uh, I, I I hope my my burden is just a little released. Just we would have a view that. What is happening in Exodus 5 is not a story. Actually, it is our experience. You just consider your, your experience. Many a time, we, we have this kind of a resolve. Ah, oh, it's a combined meeting. I'm not going to share. Okay, then others are going to share. Oh, dear saints, you see how fair, how subtle he is. And he, this kind of a saddle is to occupy, to keep us away from feasting and worshiping God. What do we do? We need to realize we are Israelites. He is the God of Israel. You are an Israelite. And moreover, you are a Hebrew. All these kinds of limitations that are keeping us from feasting, we need to overcome. Israel is, are the victorious kings. We need to be victorious over them, not, not side with them, not remain in all these uh, limitations. So anyway, I, I better go on. Uh, okay, uh, verse 4 uh, says, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Eric, why are you trying to release the people from their work? Get back to your burdens. This is Pharaoh's attitude. You, you, Moses and Aaron, no. Why are you you're trying to let go of the people? And Pharaoh says, Look, the people of the land are now many. Yet you want to cease, you want them to cease from their burdens. Have you ever? I don't know about maybe, I don't know if. You saints have ever had this experience, but you know, there's a conference coming up or a blending meeting, but then suddenly at work they need overtime workers. We, we, we need you this weekend. Look, you, you we, we're going to be short staffed. This is fairer subtlety to occupy. The people are many. You want them to cease from their burdens. Uh, Verse uh, 6, the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people in the offices saying, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Verse 8, and the quota of the bricks which they made previously, you shall still place upon them. You shall not diminish any of it, for they are idle. Oh, that word oh, I don't know if if you have uh if you have you underline uh, this is that world's attitude this is the uh, Pharisee's attitude when we when we are when we want to be released to serve and and worship the Lord it says actually you are hiding the church meetings what are you doing there you just get there and you, what? You listen to a message, you read the Bible, you have meetings in your home, what for? You just eat and then you, 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 you read the Bible? That's idle. You, you, you're not doing anything. Actually, dear saints, we do need to be idle in the proper way, in the divine way. The world wants us to be busy. Actually, the Lord wants to save us from our busyness, our worldly busyness, to bring us to a divine idol. I, I, do your best to understand me. To be idle here is to feast on the Lord. Our feasting on the Lord, to the eyes of the world, they say you are idle, you are wasting your time. They Saints, it is not a waste of time. Our our coming to enjoy the Lord together, our coming together, the meetings of the church, they are not idle time. No. We are are serving our Lord. We are feasting on him. The world says you are idle. Well, to Pharaoh, I'd say, yes, I need the divine idleness. I need it. I need we, you know, we need to be properly idle. We need to work our job, but we also need to take time to behold the Lord. We need to have this kind of a, a divine idleness. The world, fairest strategy is to keep us busy, 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 busy. So much so that we even run out of time. We have no time for the Lord. We have no time for the meetings of the church. No time for the feast. This is Pharaoh's strategy. Oh, but here yeah, we need to have a proper idleness. Pharaoh says, they are idle, therefore they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Verse 9, let the work be laid more heavily upon such men so that they do it and not pay attention to underline false words. This is Pharaoh's view of God's word. Our meeting, our gathering to worship, to enjoy the Lord, he calls it idle. The ministering of God's word, he calls it false words. I, I feel like this chapter is an x-ray of the world. It shows us what the world truly is. What the what what the, the world's view of God. I don't know who Jehovah is. I'm not gonna release Israel of our meetings to worship God, our meetings according to the world. You're just idle. You need more work. Actually, the reason why you want to go worship is because you have too much time. That's Pharaoh's attitude. And number three, you need to we need to occupy you so that you don't give yeah, to false words. Oh you know I, I like to join the video trainings, the conference the the seven feasts however I can uh, whether to buy the audios to to join the when when the um, the Saints are gathering, you know the we have two conferences per year. I do my best to, to join I, I I'm coming. Yes, Pharaoh, I want to listen to the quote, quote, false words. These words are the supply. These words are, they are the, these are the words I feast on. These are the words for my enjoyment so that I can have something to worship God with. These words are a supply. But the world feels it's a waste of time. You're idle. And these words are false. Oh, Lord, uh, Okay, let's let's continue. So the taskmasters of the people in the offices went out and spoke to the people, saying, "Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. You go and get your straw wherever you can, for none of your work will be reduced." Oh Lord! So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. Thirteen, and the taskmasters pressed them, saying, "Finish your work." The same daily assignment as when there was straw, 14, and the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten. Eventually, this is what the world does to God's people. Uh, initially, it, it starts off as a, a place where one can make a livelihood, but slowly... Eventually it gets to where your labor is made hard and made inconvenient. And in particular, when the Lord comes in to rescue us, you know, uh, some of the saints share that when we undergo suffering, in particular in the world, this is a sign that the Lord is seeking to release us. Is seeking to release us. When, when Pharaoh hears of, of us re- receiving the word, seeing the truth, being called for God's purpose, to meet God's need, Pharaoh doesn't say, oh, of course, you may go, just hand in your resignation letter. No. Pharaoh's attitude is more work. And not only more work, he starts to beat them. Oh. I'd never realized Exodus chapter 5. You know, when I read it earlier, I just, oh, God's people are having a. Actually, this is our Christian experience. When the Lord is calling, seeking to bring us to his purpose, Pharaoh. It seemed Pharaoh was treating us okay before God came in. But when God, together with Moses, came, and suddenly, it's you know I've 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 heard of many many dear saints, you know wherever they met, it seemed they were doing well. They came in contact with the ministry of the age, started enjoying. Uh, they came into contact with Moses and Aaron, and it seemed from then on, their experience was one of suffering. It seemed like out of nowhere. Again, this is the world. Pharaoh would do everything to keep us. To keep us. If, if it could be, it could use Egypt. He could use uh, even uh, religion to keep us. I, I, I know one, one brother, he just had a very, very difficult time because he was committed in one group, he was doing practical service there. But then he came into contact with the ministry, and he was enjoying the ministry. And the ones who, are, who were receiving him, before he, received, he was enjoying the ministry, they were, they were positive toward him. But now they, as he came to enjoy the ministry more, it seemed their attitude toward him just changed. It just not so receptive anymore. It was like, wow, you know, I'm sure you, you also have heard of multiple experiences of many saints who've gone through these experiences. It seems this, this is the Lord's view. When he's about to call us to bring us into his purpose, Egypt doesn't say, go, we wish you well. On the contrary, Egypt makes God's people hard and difficult. And actually, uh, I'm not going to get to the last few part. The verses, uh, the people begin to complain to Moses. They say, "You've made us odious. You've made us odious, Moses." Yeah, we were suffering, but since you came, it seems the suffering has intensified. Oh, and Moses goes back to the Lord. The, these are the last two verses of chapter 5. Uh, he goes back to the Lord, and he complains. He tells the Lord, Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why is it that you, you have sent me? You know, Moses' experience was two questions. Why? Why? Why have you mistreated this people? Why have you sent me? Oh, this is this is our experience. Even maybe you, you you shared the ministry with some 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 of your acquaintances. or it seems maybe their experience, their uh, human experience might be difficult since they've contacted you. Maybe you might go to the Lord and, and be like Moses, Lord. It seems this person was better off before I shared something with them. But now that I've shared something with them, they are suffering. Well, this is, this is the Lord. Again, this is the first conflict between God and Pharaoh. God made a demand, and this demand of God exposed the world. It exposed Pharaoh's attitude both to God, to his word, to God's people, how what he views, he views God's people, they are feasting, you, you are idle. Actually, you have too much time. And to God's word, you will call them false words. And his response to God's word is to make God's pe- the life of God's people even harder, even harder. And he begins to beat them. This this is the world, dear saints. Um, to some extent, I do believe we, we can testify to having some kind of an experience like this, where it seems one way the world is receptive to us, but when we receive a calling, a calling to meet God's need, suddenly the world's attitude just changes and it's intensifying uh, its oppression on God's people. Well, uh, we will continue, but for tonight I will stop here and then we could uh, take some time to overflow. And uh, yeah, let's take some time, I'd say 30 seconds a person, just for us to overflow. Amen.
2: Um, I appreciated to see that uh, this first conflict um, between Jehovah and Pharaoh actually exposes the enemy's attitude towards God's people. So on one hand, um, you know, there's the negative side where God's people actually have their lives made more difficult, right? But on the other hand, behind this is a revelation to actually show that You know, the enemy, this is the enemy's intentions, right? The enemy's intentions are to usurp us. So the moment now there's a thought to worship, Um, the enemy's usurpation intensifies and seeks to draw us further away from God.
7: I enjoyed the the portion very much. I can't believe what we learned out of Exodus chapter 5, I've read the story so many times, but it didn't have any spiritual connotations for me. Uh, you know, it was all just uh, objective, and now it, it turns subjective. So praise the Lord for that, for opening our eyes and shining the light on his word. And uh, it shows us clearly uh, how God struggles or struggled to get us out of Egypt. Uh, we can blame Satan. Satan. But uh, I think 90% of the time, it's our, our problem, you know, the soul. The soul, there's war between the soul and the spirit. And uh, we, we realize it if you think how clever your mind, all the uh, uh, nonsense you can think out, instead of going to the Word and spending time in God's presence, you, your mind, your soul actually keeps you busy. Uh, and and it's excuses that's in you to say, yes, but I must first do this and I must first do this. And then, you know, so the soul is so strong that God had to show us that, uh, you know, we have to die to our soul life. And to die is not easy. Uh, nobody wants to die. You know, there's a saying that say everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. So uh, we are like that. We, we are very used to the world and we enjoy the world so much that it's very difficult to exchange this enjoyment to enjoying God.
8: I've enjoyed when the brother has shown that where in verse 8 Pharaoh was viewing the Israelites as idle, that um, being idle is not always um, negative that we do need to to be idle in in, in a divine way. I, I, I've, I've never um realized that I've never known that that being idle can can be a positive if we are idle in a divine way. To be idle here um, is to feast on the Lord. Um, we need to be properly idle not idle in a negative way, but to be properly idle. And um, so Pharaoh's strategy, him viewing the Israelites wanting to go and, and worship the Lord, viewing them as idle. That was his strategy to keep the Israelites busy so that they could not fulfill um, God's wish. So yeah, I enjoyed um, seeing idol in that way. Amen.
5: So there's quite a quite a bit of light when we recognize that there there is the objective pharaoh, who who typifies Satan, right, uh, as the ruler of the world and all the all the activities in the world, right. But then there's also the subjective pharaoh. Which is really the self. And if we look at if we look at Pharaoh from that view, then we actually realize that the most immediate limitation we have is our self. and our self denies that we enjoy the Lord, right? And so I, I, from, from this view, I appreciate, then we see the perspective that Pharaoh had toward the children of Israel living a life that would serve the Lord is that they are idle and that they pay attention to false words. Mm-hmm. So the idleness here is, is is pointing to the fact that they're lazy to work, right What is more they are trying to find an excuse not to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. right They're spending too much time on delusional words, and hence they need more occupation. So then, you know, in a sense, this this could be in our, in our human life, there are things that are necessary for us to do, right? In fact, they are our responsibilities. If we don't carry them out, then no one will, right? And so spending time with the Lord seems a waste of time because there's so much that needs to be done. But um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, the, the divine view as our brother just shared is actually that the ones who spend time with the Lord they their time is numbered before the Lord but the ones who who take care of these seemingly necessary things who are, who are you know not idle but hard working these ones they may seem to outwardly accomplish many things but in the Lord's eyes they're not doing anything and so yeah, it's very interesting. It's, I mean, it's helpful to see these these two perspectives. That, you know, how we spend our time and what we spend our time on is limited in a very large way by ourselves uh, paying attention more to, more to the, I guess, the more immediate things in our human life than to our enjoyment of the Lord, which would ultimately really bring us true benefit even in our human life. So we may the Lord continue to reveal this uh, this subjective pharaoh. So we may we may uh, we may also you know we may identify and may be exposed to us. So we we also would side with the Lord to to leave Egypt. Amen. Um.
0: Okay. Uh. Maybe for tonight we can we can conclude here, and for next week. Please, again, uh, I will, we will uh, uh, give you, saints, an update as to what section we will cover. Uh, and the more we, we feast, we spend time feasting and bring our portion when we gather, the more the Lord will receive to, for as, his wor- as, a, as a worship to him. So, I, again, we're all learning to labor on the word, so to bring forth this Christ, to allow for some dispensing, so that there will be something we could produce. So uh, don't be don't be discouraged. Uh, how much you get, you know what's important about a steward, is not the amount of food they serve, but being faithful to serve. The Lord is looking for the servant who are faithful to give them food. So. Again, this is an opportunity for us to learn to gather the food and serve the food. So keep an eye on the WhatsApp group, on what section we will be covering next week. But for tonight, we will stop here. Um, Grace, dear saints. Amen. Wonderful to be together.